Pilot Mortgage Brokering, episode 114. The best mortgage brokers get better. I love mortgage brokering with your host, Scott Peckford. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Beckford here from Isla Mortgage Brokering. Today on the show, I have Krista Klein. She's part of the Mortgage Labs Network, been a broker for seven years. We talk about a lot of things. She talks about how she uses her Facebook name and Twitter name to actually promote her mortgage business. She talks about what she learned about a file that was literally declined the day before funding. Everything was signed off, what she learned and how she didn't pull all her hair out. And she talks about how she uses her newsletter to stay in touch and build a relationship with her clients. Interesting fact is she shares some advice on what not to put in your newsletter. This episode is sponsored by the career section of I Love Mortgage Brokering. The career section allows brokers who are trying to decide where to hang their license to connect with brokerages that are hiring. It's kind of like a dating service for brokers and owners. If you're a broker looking at options, go to the site, put in your postal code, and you'll get a list of brokerages that are recruiting in your area. You can compare things like company size, do they have office space, which lenders do they have status with, etc. Check out ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash careers to find your perfect match. And check out this interview with Krista. I think you're going to enjoy it. Hey, Krista, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? So I always like to ask how you got into the mortgage biz, because no one in kindergarten says, when I grow up, I want to be a mortgage broker. What was your path to our industry? Um, It's actually kind of an amusing story. I actually became a mortgage broker purely by accident. Um, I graduated in 07 from UBC uh, for from the faculty of forestry. And at that point of time, it was already very difficult to get hired anywhere in the forest. Mm -hmm. I had an interview with Canfor, uh, their marketing department, and that was at that point in time where I thought I wanted to be. I was had a big interview with the VP of Canfor, doing everything the right way as a new student out of UBC. And the next day, 25% of their staff got completely cut. And that was in 07. So at that point in my life, I was 25 years old. And I was it was kind of my first indication of maybe having a job really is not going to work out for me. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not actually that secure. No, that's just it, right? Because it's the stories that you get told, you know, like go to school, get a job, you know, get a career. So how did you end up there and then now as a mortgage, as in the mortgage business? Well, actually, I got hired at in the forestry industry or I worked there for approximately like six months at a company, sucked my soul dry. And one day I came home and my brother was in financial services for the last 11 years. You know, and I was upset about, you know, where I was and where I was going and what I was going to do. And my brother looks at me and says, Krista, you'd make an excellent mortgage broker. And I said to him, what the hell is that? What is that exactly? Yeah, I had absolutely no idea what a mortgage broker was. He really pushed me towards getting my license. You know, as a new student, you know, like $30,000 in student loans, not knowing how I'm going to pay off my student loans and what I was going to do. I said, what's another thousand bucks towards my education right now? And he, you know, like, I'm so happy and blessed that he pushed me towards it. Because, you know, seven eight years later, you know, like it's my career path. And I am, I know I feel completely blessed to find a career that I actually absolutely love doing. And so from the beginning, did you start going out to find your own clients? Or did you kind of plug into Did he have a mortgage business that you sort of plugged into? Or how did that work? He connected me to a mortgage broker that he knew, that's right, that he knew, and she ran her own brokerage company. And she actually took me on as a sub mortgage broker. And she actually she allowed me me to pretty much I was in a sense her underwriter her assistant for the first two years so in my first six months of mortgages you know I probably saw 30 million dollars volume that I got to underwrite myself 
Right. That's actually a great way to kind of get an intro to the business is work for someone and get confident in working on files. Well, and that was just it. I was there for at least two, three years, got very well versed in, you know, how to get a deal done. Mm-hmm. And then it gives you confidence when you start to go to build your business, because if someone you know says, hey, can you do this? You'll be like, you know, because you've done hundreds and hundreds of files before you even start working on one of your own. And she kind of, in a sense, she... She's one of those, uh, she was She was a great broker. She's still mm-hmm. a broker. And she, my favorite part is, is that in a sense, she kind of like would throw me under the bus and be like, figure it out yourself. And she, she allowed me to figure it out myself. And I think that's the best way to learn. That's how I learn. Right. <laughs> we always joke in our office if we're going to throw somebody under the bus, we're like, here's your bus ticket, you know, and then... <laughs> It's got a transfer. You're going to get hit twice. It's going to be awesome. No, I'm just kidding. We don't really do that. But okay. So before we dive into your story, I always like to ask about a success quote that's really had an impact on your life or business. I love how quotes are memorable. They're portable and they can kind of keep you on track. So do you have any a quote that's really had an impact on you? I have one quote that I have on a post-it in my office. I'm not sure. I try to kind of live by this and it's kind of, I don't know if it's, if it's that great of a quote, but what it is is I shall judge nothing that occurs. I think it really just helps me realize like when you, you know, you speak to clients, you speak to underwriters, you speak to BDMs, we're all human. We all have our own daily things that are affecting our lives. So if I get into, you know, a situation where I'm on the phone with, you know, like an underwriter and she's telling me no about something, I kind of, you know, instead of combating the no, I figure out, you know, like, well, why is it a no? How can we make this a yes? Just from also just being personal and understanding that, you know, like maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they can't give me the yes that I want. And I kind of just work forward with it. Like, um, I've talked to, you know, a lot of BDMs in my life and I've had a few of my favorite BDMs that I think we all do. And my, my favorite thing is when I, you know, things are, you know, going sideways or, and I have BDMs, you know, I'll talk to them on the phone and they'll say, Krista, thank you so much for not yelling at me. Right. And it's not their fault. I don't judge them, whatever life happens, but I'm not really sure that's really the best quote, Scott. No, I, I, that's a, it's perfect. I, I totally agree with you. I think that there's a tendency sometimes because of the pressure of the job to take that out on underwriters and they're just doing their job. And so ultimately we need to find a win-win, win for the underwriter, win for the client. And sometimes no happens and you know, that doesn't motivate me. Somebody yelling at me, me and treating me like crap. So why would that motivate your underwriter? Like really, like anybody listening to this, like, um, and Dustin Woodhouse posted something on the Facebook group recently about how his language that he uses when he emails his underwriters is not like, basically you work for me kind of, idea. I I think that's a terrible mindset and philosophy. So I think good for you for recognizing that and making sure that your communication is, you know, in a way that makes them want to help you when they can. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I want to ask you now about failure. I know that as a mortgage broker, you've been in the business for seven, eight years. Failure happens, but it's never fatal. And looking back, there's a lesson in it. So can you share something that maybe didn't turn out the way that you were hoping and then the lesson that you learned? I can honestly say like, you know, as a broker, we have deals that go sideways. That's just part of life. And we have even the best deals that go sideways. Every single deal that, for example, does go the route that you don't want to go, I always take a lesson from it. I want to say I probably got my gray hair from it. Uh, file was 100% confirmed, ready to fund. The clients already signed at the lawyer's office, post a fund tomorrow. I get a phone call from whoever, from this company, mm-hmm. LenderX, and 
she's literally, you know, asking me questions about my file. She's asking me questions about my notes. She's asking me questions. And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. This file was so difficult from the begin with that I put it together perfectly. I asked all the right questions. My BDM really gave me great information. I had everything approved at all the higher levels. There's no way this deal shouldn't go through. I get a phone call at the end Mm -hmm. of the day saying that, yeah, we're not going to fund your deal tomorrow. Yeah. So it's a million dollar file. There's a, you know, like a hundred, it was like a hundred and $80,000 deposit on the line. The clients love me. I still work with them. Having that type of conversation was, I can't even describe it. Uh, The brokers in my office were looking at me wondering why I wasn't crying because it was just so, you know, it was just, it was very traumatic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can, you can sit there and think, oh, I'm going to cry. I'm going to scream. I'm going to, you know, throw things at the wall. I sat there and I'm like, how am I going to fix this? How am I going to get this done? I uh, I actually phoned. Right. I had my owner broker at the time. Uh, we were actually a part of Verico. Uh, she got on the phone with like the head of Verico. I got on the phone with MBABC, and we, you know, like we really. I got on the phone with my lawyer. You know, like what's going to be the next steps? How are we going to proceed with this? How are we going to get this solved? In the end, uh, the lender came through. Uh, they had it, they ended up having to get it personally insured through CMHC, which is kind of interesting back when at 35 year amortization when they stopped doing that. And they, they lender and they ended up actually paying the full CMHC premium on behalf of my client. It was just wow. one of those situations. Mm-hmm. And so what takeaways did you have from that situation? Like knowing, looking back, was there something you could have communicated differently? Was it just a, a complete random, you know, like a car accident that you couldn't control or? Um, pretty much what happened on that side. Uh, you know how a lot of these lenders have these investors that the investor decided that they wanted to pull out the last minute. They didn't like the deal, even though everything was 100% ready to go. On their side, it was before Christmas. So everybody who would normally deal with this situation was away. So, you mean on the lender on, side? Also, yeah, on the lender side. So my BDM was like, I think he was in Mexico or something, Dominican. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't answering his phone for the week this happened. And when he got back from his trip, he phoned me up and he was like, that never should have happened. Uh, the people that would normally deal with this situation weren't in the office. And if this did happen and they were in the office, you would never know about it. So that was kind of kind of an interesting on that point. Right. But what I really took from that side is even if your deal is 100% ready to go sign the lawyer's office, the lender can always back out at the last minute. And so what I do, especially with the lenders that have, mm-hmm. you know, they go through the different levels of approval for funding. I make sure that I'm on my underwriter. Is it good? Is it funded? Is it instructed? I make sure, you know, everything's in line. My paperwork's perfect. So if they ever come back, you know, like, you know, a week before funding, a day before funding, they want to see another pay sub. They want to see, you know, this or that. I'm prepared. Yeah, that's good. That's a a great story example of uh, sort of catastrophe and then how you resolved it in lesson. That's good. And it's also having a, you know, a solid relationship with the client because the client could have chose never talk to me again. And I just, you know, in a sense, help them with their mortgage last month. So, you know, it was, yeah, it happened. I solved it. You know, like we're still in contact. So it's great. Right. That's important. Maintain the relationship. So I want to switch gears and ask you about process and systems. I know that successful mortgage brokers always have a system and they don't just kind of show up and hope for the best. So first, don't ask about like an administrative process that you have or had that wasn't working and then a change you made and the outcome that you got. Well, uh, that is one thing that my brother, who's also a mortgage broker, is always on me for. So (laughs) I, I have a file system. I actually I actually hired a professional organizer to come in and organize my entire file system. And what kind of changes did she make or he i say she i don't know why i assume it's a, it was a girl it was a girl yeah because i just assume girls are more organized like guys are like, <laughs> oh, 
perfect. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a catastrophe. So I'm not being sexist. I'm just saying it's, it's, I think it's generally true. So what kind of changes did she make to your filing system? She made the process flow. So for one thing, when I come towards my desk, my number one thing to do is to drop absolutely everything I have, pieces of paper, you know, receipts, whatever, onto my desk. She, she forced me to get an in and out box, which means that when I come in with, you know, all my papers and my purses or like my files, I don't just drop them on my desk. I put them into my inbox. Sounds silly. They're, they go to a place. They have a place. They have a home, which is great. She helped me organize my entire filing system. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, I have every file is color coded, if that makes sense to you. So like uh, green is pre-approval, red, like a pink like post-it is, it's a real deal. And I have to work on it type thing. Um, every, yeah, so we did that. And then every single file, um, my brother helped me with this, is we created a, a mortgage process flow sheet. So what that just means is when I get a brand new file, you know, you know, you go through the steps of opening the file and closing the file, every little thing that I do or I have to think of, it's automatically there and I know where I am in each file. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Do you use paper files then? I do uh, paper if I'm working on it. Okay. And digital, obviously, for everything else. My wife's into cooking and there's something called mise en place, which is basically everything in its place. And so when you're working in a busy kitchen, each thing needs to be. And I think that you can do this like you're talking about in your physical space, but you can also do it in your digital space as well. Yeah, no, I, I also have it in my digital space. So when I work on a particular file, because I'm, um, what would that word be? I like to, you know, like feel the paper. Uh, tactile or yeah. um, I think that's the word. Yeah, so each person that I'm working on or each mortgage that I'm working on, like even I might not even have anything printed off in the file, I know that there's a file folder there that has their name on it and I know I have to work on it. Right. So anybody that I get, like if it's, a, you know, like a, someone I talked to last week says, hey, Krista, you know, I'm interested in blah, blah, blah. I have to get my mortgage done. I automatically make a file for them, even though I don't even have their mortgage application. That way they're, you know, still top of mind and I'm able to follow up with them about their mortgage application or about what they're, what, what they like to do. Right. That's really good. So I want to switch now to a marketing or sales process that maybe wasn't working and then a change you made in the outcome that you got. Can you share something that has been working for you? Well, what's really been working for me for uh, is just keeping in contact with my clients through my newsletter. And it sounds really simple and it's because it it is really simple. But it doesn't have to be complicated to be effective. Not at all. One thing I learned when I first became a broker is how many of my friends had absolutely no idea what I did. After two years of being in the broker industry, I, I kind of realized that my friends had no clue what I did when they, I don't know, so one time I was sitting down with them and I, I said, what do you think I do? I had like three of my really like best friends thought I was a realtor. That's awesome. <laughs> and I, was, I thought it was really funny. I was like, I think I'd have a way more nicer car than I do if I drove people around in my Jetta, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's really simple and it's kind of really silly, but in all of my social media, like in my, my Facebook, personal Facebook page, my name is Krista Klein Mortgage Broker. My Twitter is probably Krista Klein Mortgage Broker. My, my Instagram is like Krista Klein Mortgage Broker. And it sounds funny, but I have gotten a lot of sales just from, hey, Krista Klein is a mortgage broker, just from liking stuff. And it, you know, it's, it's kind of, it kind of sounds funny. Right. But it's worked for me. I actually had that happen to me once. I had a friend of mine, like acquaintance who I knew, and he told me, oh, I just bought a house. And I'm like, oh, how come you didn't call me? And he goes, oh, I thought you were a financial advisor. And I'm like, oh, clearly I don't communicate what I do very well. Well, and that's funny. I was at a, a wedding a couple couple weeks ago, 
and I'm, I'm meeting my friend's sisters for really the first time, and they go, oh, you're Krista Klein Mortgage Broker on Facebook. Yeah, my, my, my friend told me I should talk to you when I want to buy a house. And I was like, it's almost like star recognition. Right. It's like you branded, really you branded your name and mortgage broker. Yeah. Actually, I remember seeing that on Facebook. I, I saw that you had that in your title. And that's the only reason why. And I think I, I think I may have been like one of the first ones who kind of did that. My brother does it. And then a lot of my, my realtor friends, now they're like Nikki Remax or whatever, whatever they can get away with doing. Right. That's awesome. So with your newsletter, like how often do you send it out? Um, well, I try to send it monthly. When I say try, sometimes I should. I said I generally send it monthly. I usually shoot for the 15th, but sometimes it's like the 18th. Right. Because <laughs> I'm always like a day late for all my newsletter for some strange reason. That, that's okay. And so... I want to ask about diversifying your income. So can you, is that an area that you're focusing on? I find when I talk to mortgage brokers, one camp says, yes, you should diversify, get share a wallet, you know, multiple product lines. Other side says, no, just stick to mortgage brokering. Which camp do you fall in and uh, and why, I guess? Which camp and why? I only really got good at one thing and that was doing mortgages. So my focus is mortgages. So yeah, now I'm trying to put things more with lenders that have trailer models. Or, you know, they have a renewal offer at the end of the client's five-year term. But yeah, I'm not really like I'm. I'm not out there getting my financial planner ticket so I can sell insurance. I'm not. I'm not out there trying to sell RSPs or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I'm on the other side. You're in that camp. I try very. I'm very as much as possible try not to to like uh pick a side in the way i ask that question yeah. because i personally am in the mortgage broker only side but that doesn't mean that it doesn't work for other people so hopefully if people listening go okay yeah he's fairly you know not leaning to broker only so i'm going to move to the rapid fire questions these you can answer with shorter answers what's the number one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful uh- not knowing how to get a deal done or understanding. Does that make sense to you? So it's basically like under, it's either underwriting, lack of knowledge, lack of experience. Yeah. Because I've talked to new brokers. Like I had a, a new broker call me. I met her at a networking, like a women's networking group. And she's been in the industry for a year and a half. And she switched, I don't know, brokerages or whatever. And, you know, like one of those companies that, you know, you get the deal, you let somebody completely underwrite it. But you don't even know who's underwriting it. Mm-hmm. Right. Where like where I think I've had a lot of my success is I get a deal. I know exactly where I'm going to place it. I already have ideas of what the situation is or, you know, how I can make it work just from having the experience of where to place the client or where they're going to fit best. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. No. And and then so what's the number one thing you think that's made you successful? On knowing how to get deals done. Right. Like that's it. My my brother, um, again, like he was in sales for a very long time. He taught me how to close. Does that make sense? He gave me tips on just like when you sit in front of a client for the first time. Like I know when I was a brand new broker, like I didn't know how to be or act in a meeting. Mm-hmm. Right. So he gave me a lot of really great tips on like, in a sense, like questions to ask, you know, one of those things, like if you ask the right questions, like I'm not there to talk to the client, the client's there to talk to me, right? right. So if you sit down with a client and they want to, I'm not there telling them like, what a great mortgage, obviously, I, you know, like they already know that they're sitting in front of me, right? Like we've already got that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, but I'm kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like they're already there, so it's all good. But at that point, it's just like really listening to what the needs of the clients are. And he just gave me a couple things to make them want to work with me. Mm-hmm. That's really good. So if you, is there one internet resource or software program used to make your business more successful? The one thing that has worked for me, thanks God for bringing this up, is just keeping in touch with my clients monthly. And I don't like in, so through HippoContact, yes, this is a plug for Robert. Hey, Rob. 
it's really just, you know, allowed me to passively keep in contact with my clients monthly. And I don't put anything very mortgagey in it. Mm-hmm. I've learned a long time ago that nobody cares about mortgages but me and other mortgage brokers. Right. I think mortgages are very interesting. A lot of my clients do not think mortgages are interesting. So in my in my newsletter, it's more of a personal newsletter. So it's like 50% business and 50% me. So I put pictures and stories, whatever of like what I've been up to, like what my soccer team's been up to. And it just allows them to one get to know me a bit better. So when we do connect on the phone or, or connect, you know, they wanted to talk about their mortgages with me, it's like they phone me up and I'm already kind of a, a friend to them. And they already know you. Yeah, like they know me, you know, like they know I play soccer. They know I have a nephew. They know uh, I occasionally like to have, you know, a glass of wine on the patio or whatever, right? Like there's a picture of me doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very basic right that's good I, and I agree there's obviously uh, that's a, a tool that can be staying in touch is very important and I don't think that people want mortgage rate stuff every month I think that's just like amateurish and if you bought a car and every month the car dealership sent you here's the prices on the new cars you'd be like go away like I, I don't need a new car right now when I do I'll ask you also too it's like the, the I have I have never sent out a rate sheet in my entire seven years no, no me neither I'm, I'm uh, I think it's ridiculous but anyway we can kick that horse so yeah I agree. There's there's definitely better ways to communicate and stay top of mind. So, okay, I'm going to ask you the last question. This is one of my favorites. Remember the movie Back to the Future? Yeah. So there's the car, the DeLorean, you travel in time. So if I could put you in that car, send you back seven years to first day as a mortgage broker, what three things would you tell yourself so that you'd have a bigger, better business today? That's a really hard one, Scott. I think I think seven years ago when I first started off as a mortgage broker, I'd be really impressed that the future me came back and said, hey, Krista, you did it. Right. So I'd be pretty happy about that. I would probably tell myself to get totally on control of like my my internet marketing stuff because in the beginning I didn't really know what I was doing. What do you mean by internet marketing? Oh, just like getting the web page up, knowing how to keep in contact with your clients and stuff like that. Like, and I didn't I didn't really have any of that going when I first started out. That took me a while to figure out. Mm-hmm. Too, it would just be like I don't know, Scott. This is a hard question. I don't know how to answer it. Buy Apple stock. That's what <laughs> yeah. I would tell you. And and any real estate in the Lower Mainland that you could possibly afford to buy. Yeah, I know. I'm like, what would I tell myself? I'd be like, Lotto Max numbers. Buy this. Buy this. Buy that. And like you said, buy stocks in here. That way, in seven years, I you know wouldn't have to be working. You'd be like, I'm done. Drop the mic. Boom. <laughs> okay. Well, Chris, I really appreciate your time and uh, sharing. Where can people find you online? Um, MyVancouverMortgage.ca. And anybody listening, check out uh, links, show notes at ilovemortgagebrokering.com. And Krista, I hope you continue to crush your mortgage business and get those Lotto Max numbers at some point. And, and maybe you can send them to me too. Okay, perfect. I will. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the I Love Mortgage Brokering podcast. Subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode. Also, if you take two minutes to rate the show, you will get three new deals before the end of the week. How do I know this? Actually, I don't know, but we'd really appreciate if you took some time to write an honest review. It would help us out a lot. Also, you go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com. You can join our VIP club for mortgage brokers, and we send tips and tricks, stuff that doesn't get shared on the show. Sometimes some of the best ideas come when the recorder's turned off. If you want to get access to that stuff, visit ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP and get on the list.